And he's saying, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Notice he doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't done or is not willing to do himself. He went before us. He's, that's what makes him a good shepherd. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus deliberately loved his disciples according to the way God the Father loved him. We know that Jesus loved his disciples by teaching them, protecting them, guiding them, sacrificially serving them, and using his power and authority to do these things. There is no single way to describe the nature and character of Jesus. He is filled with power, wisdom, truth, holiness, devotion, submission, sacrifice, and dozens of other qualities. Of all these, Jesus said, Abide in my love. When we stay connected to the love of Jesus, the relationship stays strong. Now here's Pastor Rob. That we have and can receive, it comes from him. He is our source, and he's more than just a source, believe me. He is our life. He's life eternal. He's our sustainer. He's our God. He's our provider. He's all of these things, and why would I want to restrict that? I want to promote that. I want to live that. And I want to encourage you to do the same. But notice he says there, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. This ought to remind us of a passage in Galatians where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we are going to call ourselves a Christian, then let's... Let's get about it. Let's abide in him. And in that abiding, we do those things. Yes, there is something that we have to do. We have to get motivated. We, we have to let it happen. Sometimes that's all it is. Just let it happen. Let the Spirit of God do it. Stop trying to control every aspect of your life. If you're one of those controlling people, you're going to be a miserable person. Because the Lord wants to get you to the place where you are taking your hands off the steering wheel and allowing him to drive because so often we got white knuckles and we got our hands on the steering wheel and we're like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to steer. This is my way, my path, my life. And God's, you know, and then basically what you've done is you've stepped out of the place where the blessings come out and you are going to be not happy. You're not going to be blessed. So I have to abide in him. And he does all the work. I have to do very little. All I've got to do is abide. You ever notice a branch? It never struggles and fights and kicks and spits, does it? It just hangs there. It's attached. Very happy. Thank you very much. 
I'm just receiving, receiving. Thank you so much. I'm just receiving all this good stuff. Thank you. Just hanging there. Oh, look, a blossom. Oh, look, fruit. Oh, that's great. Just keep it coming. We don't have to do a whole lot. But as we allow these attributes of the Spirit that we just read to be lived out in us, there'll be much fruit not only in us, but also toward others and other people's lives. They will see it, and they will desire to draw near. Because a Spirit-filled Christian is one that is attractive to, the, to others, especially those whose eyes God is opening. Who are willing to, those in the world who are willing to see... And God is walking alongside of them, the paraclete. He's walking beside them. And all of a sudden they see a real believer walking in the spirit. And they're like, you know what? That's exactly what I want. I've been looking for that peace all my life. How do you get that peace? Well, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I'm in fellowship. I'm loving him. I'm serving him. And they're like, how do I? I want to get plugged into that. Well, follow me as I follow Christ. Come to church with me. Go serve with me. Let's pray together. Let's fellowship and and let's eat together. (laughs) Right? That's something we do really well at Calorie Chapel as we eat. Calorie Chapel. (laughs) See, now I know you guys are awake. But that's what we do. And notice that As we love one another, all people will see that we are Jesus' disciples. And this is all part of this fruit bearing in our life. And so allow the Spirit of God to do this work in your life. There's a, a wonderful verse in Philippians. And it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have also obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul says to them. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now notice what it says here. You can't work. What it means is God has given, if he's given you salvation, then you need to work it out. You need to do, you know, that there's something that faith does. When you have a faith in God, it produces something. There ought to be fruit. There ought to be things in my life that come out. If, if, if God is really in me, if the Spirit of God is in me, then those things are going to come out. Those things don't justify me. Those things don't save me because I'm already saved. But as a result of that, there ought to be some fruit of that. Things happening in my life where it's good for me and it's good for others because they're going to come and take that fruit and they're going like, wow, you used to be this horrible, nasty person. And all of a sudden you're like, you're brushing the snow off on my car now. And I didn't ask you to do it. In fact, I, you didn't even know that I, I didn't even know that you did it. But somebody told me that you did it. You weren't even, you're doing it so simply. You were just serving, you're just loving people. Wow. That's amazing when that happens. But work it out. And notice what it says. Verse 13 is so critical because notice, how are you going to work that out? Is it because of something you do? I mean, it is. You have to allow it. You have to put one foot in front of the other. But notice what really is going on. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Remember that. It's God in you that is prompting you doing that. So it originates with him, and we just respond. Isn't that what worship is? God initiates, we respond. That's what worship is. He's always initiated everything. We respond to what he has done, what he's doing. And so he gets all the credit. I don't get all the credit. But notice in verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Does that sound like a good thing? Does it? 
No, it doesn't sound like a good thing. There's a couple of different ways that we can look at this. There are three different ways, at least three different ways, that people have looked at this verse and and thought about it. Some believe that these are believers who have lost their salvation. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe if you are saved, you are always saved. You were either saved or you weren't saved. Now, you may be saved and going through a tough patch and, and struggling, but that's okay. That's, sometimes that's part and parcel for being a believer. But it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. So I don't believe that this is speaking of a believer, this verse, verse 6. I don't believe that that's speaking of a believer who has lost their salvation. Some others believe that Jesus is talking about believers who are not bearing fruit and that um, really what this is is them just losing their rewards uh, in heaven, we, we know that for believers, there's what we call a judgment seat of Christ. And it's, it's not a judgment for uh, salvation, but it's a judgment or a giving or, or losing of rewards based on what we've done since we've been in Christ. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 3. And I can understand why some people might think this could be it. Because remember, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Speaking of the day of Christ, when he comes for his church. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Remember that. Test their work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, I don't believe that this passage is speaking of that either. Because Jesus in this passage is not referring to person or persons being gathered and burned. It's not talking about their works. It's talking about them. Notice he didn't say works. He says, they will be gathered. Not their works will burn, but they. Right? And so I don't believe that that is the case either. So that leaves us with a final one, and I agree with this one. There are those who believe that those who are not abiding and thus withered are Christians really in name only. I call them chinos. Christians in name only. And Judas was a chino. He was one who appeared to be a branch But he was not, and thus he died in his sins, and he went to hell. And ultimately, he will be judged in the lake of fire forever and ever. And I tend to believe this last position, because if Jesus wanted to express that these group of people that he's speaking of here, that are going to be gathered together and burned, if they were believers, he would have made it a lot more clear. But he also uses pronouns that are very different, because up until now... Up until verse 6, he's been using pronouns like I and me and you. But here in this verse, he uses these um, third-person pronouns, he and then them and they. And it's speaking about an entirely different group of people than what he's talking about before because he's talking directly to them. But now he says they and them and these people who who don't abide. And so they never abode in Christ. And so not abiding in the vine, by not abiding in the vine, we prove that we are none of his. Now don't be discouraged by that, because here's how simple it is, folks. There have been times in my life where I thought to myself, you know, Lord, there's, 
I'm kind of stuck in this place. I'm in a place, and I know, I know you love me, and I know you've got a hold on me, but I, I just don't feel it. <laughs> well, you're not alone. You're not alone. And what is the best remedy for a, a heart like that, or a situation like that? The, the remedy is to go to Christ. Go to him. Get on your knees. Find a quiet place. You know, there's something about, and again, I don't want to get weird here. You can pray with your eyes open. You can pray when you're standing up. You can pray when, you can pray when you're riding your bike along the road. And in the spring, you might want to do that because you've got to keep your eyes open. <laughs> you know, so you can pray anywhere. But you know what? There's something about the humility. I, I, just, I love just to get on my knees because I, I'm, I'm bowing before a sovereign one. And I don't need to do that. I just like to do that from time to time because I realize I am nothing. I am nothing compared to you, God. And you know what? I bow before you. And it's okay to bow before him privately and even publicly. But I, I do it oftentimes, not all the time. Sometimes I'm reclining on my chair on my desk and, and I'm praying. But sometimes I just like to get down on the floor and just be flat on my face. There's nothing wrong with any of that because he is sovereign. He's almighty God. Isn't he worthy after all? He is worthy. And so, but the problem is in Christianity today, there are a lot of counterfeits and imposters. And Judas was a counterfeit. He was an imposter. And this may not be appropriate or applicable to anyone here or for anyone viewing online or listening in later on. And this is an uncomfortable question, but I got, I got to ask you, are you a counterfeit? Are you an imposter? Are you a Christian in name only like Judas? Or are you a genuine believer and follower and a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are not sure, it's really simple. Just cry out to God and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to change you and give your heart completely over to him. Surrender to him and repent of your sin. Yes, repent of your sin. I need to do that. And I'm no different than you. We need to repent of our sins in our country, personally, corporately, um, uh, nationally. We need to repent. We've got some huge issues, and we've never dealt with them in this country, and we need to deal with them, and they're ugly. They're national. They're personal. We We need to get busy with this and be honest before God. But if you are an imposter, if you're a wolf or a wolfette, and you've come to this fellowship or any fellowship to deceive or lead others away from the gospel or Jesus Christ, then you need to leave if that is your motive. If that is your motive, you need to leave and we'll help you. In Jesus' name. But here's the thing, folks. Don't misunderstand. But if you're just a mess, like I am, if you're, just, if, you're, if you're just a mess, and there's nothing wrong with being a mess. It's not a place you want to hang out for very long. But even if, you, if, if you're just a mess and you've sinned and greatly are, and you're looking for God's forgiveness and salvation, then you are welcome here. If you're hurting, if you're broken, you're welcome here. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. It doesn't matter anything. You are welcome here. You're welcome Because God wants to touch your heart. As he's touched mine, and as he's continuing to touch mine, there are no enemies within the church. There ought not to be anyway. So bring your mess. Bring your mess. The Lord will love you and he will bless you if you are willing. But unfortunately, there are imposters. 
Judas was one of those imposters. He was one of those who looked like a branch. Everybody looked at him. Boy, he looks like a branch, but he really wasn't a branch. He had everybody fooled. All of the disciples were fooled except for one. And who was he? Jesus. Jesus knew all about Judas. He had all the right words to say. He was a smooth operator. He was a smooth operator. And he was a deceiver. And he had everybody deceived but the Son of God. And unfortunately, there are people like that even in the church. They need to be saved. If they're willing. If they're willing. But John tells us in his first epistle, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist, the person, is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, meaning these were people who were in the church, but now they have gone out from us. They look like a branch, but now they're gone from us. They went out from us, but they were, not, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued. This word continued, underline it, because it's the same word as the word abide in, chapter five, or in verse 5, where Jesus said, abide in me. This same word is the exact same word. They didn't stay with us. They weren't, they weren't abiding. They weren't remaining with us. They didn't continue with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. And God, do you think, does God delight in the death of the wicked? Of course he doesn't. Does he want them to come into the fold? Of course he does. But there are people who are imposters and counterfeits. And they can be among us. And if you hear of somebody trying to get you away from the simplicity of the gospel, then you'd need to talk to them or talk to one of the pastors. Talk to me or one of the pastors or elders. We need to talk to them. It's important for us. It's important to all of us that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Matthew's gospel talked about the wheat, the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he says, and Jesus put forth a parable to them. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not know or did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this and the servant said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no lest while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them and you know that if you have plants in your garden there may be a big nasty root living next to it and the plant is doing fairly well but if you uproot that that thing it's got wrapping around the the you know you uproot the good plant with it as well he's like no wait for it to come to harvest and then Take them, and that's what he says. But he said, no, while lest you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to do what? To burn them. And this is who I believe Jesus is talking about. But gather the wheat, gather the believers into my barn Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in John 14. We already looked at it, right? He's going to take us to his barn. We used to have this 80-foot tree in our front yard. 
80-foot tree, those two of them, and um, one of them got struck by lightning, and the other one looked pretty healthy. And it looked on the outward to be very healthy. And one day I saw a squirrel go up in the middle of these two huge trunks. I mean, the trunk was, it's one of those big, uh, yeah, it's really huge, the big ones that you see in Penfield that have been here for over a couple hundred years. It was one of those. And I saw a squirrel go up in the middle of the Y of the tree, and he just kind of disappeared, and I'm like, it looked like he went down in the middle of the tree. Is that Maybe he went over the other side, so my curiosity was piqued. I get out the ladder, I take it out there, and I stick the ladder against the tree. I walk up, and I'm looking in, and there's a hole in the center of the tree that I could not see. And it was filled with water and dentritus and just buildup of all kinds of material. And I had no idea that the tree was dead on the inside, but on the outside it looked fine. Now why was this a problem? It's 80 feet tall next to my house. And why is it a problem? Because if something, if a windstorm comes, one of those branches were right next to my daughter's room. And my daughter and the room would go bye-bye. That's how big this tree was. And so we had to get on it quickly. And they came out and they cut that thing. And as soon as they, you know, they got all the branches off and stuff like that, and they got down to where the trunk was, and they, they cut it. And as they are cutting with this huge still saw, I love those still things. Guys know what that means. But anyway, as they're cutting through it, the water and the junk is just gushing out like a river, flowing out onto the street. And I'm just like, but it looked like a branch. It looked like a healthy branch, but inside, dead. Dead and rotten. And on its way to falling over and killing somebody, either me and my whole family or somebody along the road. But notice what Jesus said in verse 7, If you abide in my works abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. When people read this, they immediately think it's carte blanche, that because I'm a Christian, I can just ask God what, he, what I want and he'll give it to me. But that's not the case because we know that Jesus already qualified this statement earlier in chapter 14. And he said this, and whatever you ask, and here's the qualifier, underline this, and this is in John 14, verse 13, if you ask any, whatever you ask, in my name, that I will do. And we've kind of already talked about this, but it, it, whatever we ask in his name, I'm not going to ask him you know, for a big house by the lake, because my house is fine. Love my house. It's small, it's not really big, but it, it's just right for our family. I don't need a big house by the lake. It would probably lead me into sin if I got a big house on the lake. I don't need seven Hummers in my driveway, one for each day of the week, different colors. You got the picture? I don't need that. I don't need a $7 million in my bank account. That'd be nice. But it would probably ruin me. I don't need that. So why am I going to ask it in Jesus' name? I'm not. And why would he do it? He's not obligated to answer a prayer like that. He knows it would probably hurt me in some way. And would a loving God allow something in my life that's going to hurt me? Especially if I pray to him about it? No, he won't. But notice in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Notice Jesus' example here. And he's saying, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Notice he doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't done or is not willing to do himself. He went before us. He's, that's what makes him a good shepherd. 
See, other gurus of other religions in the world, they don't care about you. They want you to serve them. They want you to give money to them. They want, us, they want you to do all the dying and for them to do all the living in Palm Springs in their new house that you have funded with all of your generous donations. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.